Hello everyone and welcome back to our part two of looking at Project Bluebeam, Matthew 24, 2 Thessalonians 2, and Revelation 19. If you have not listened to part one, please go listen to it because this message is so important and you really need to listen to part one, okay? And I say that with love and grace. Let's open in prayer real quick. Father, as we dive into this part two, Lord, I pray for hearts of understanding. Give us living understanding. Give us wisdom, Lord, through your Holy Spirit. I pray that I would speak your words correctly, Lord. Lord, we worship you. We love you. We thank you for your word, which is living and active and is what we use in spiritual warfare. And uh, Lord, I pray that this listener would leave uh, invigorated with the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we left off with verse 35. I'm going to read the verse 35 again just to get some context here, I guess. Jesus says, Heaven and earth, as now known, will pass away. But my words will not pass away. Now, here we go. Jesus says, these next verses, verses 36 and 39, um, it shocked me when I, when I came and came to, when I, when I came to the understanding of who it actually is being taken away. Okay. Um, or actually that's verses 40 and 41. I'm sorry. So here we go. Verse 30, I'm going to, I'm going to read verses 36 through 39 in Matthew 24. But of that exact day and hour, no one knows, not even, I'm reading out of the Amplified, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son in his humanity, but the Father alone. For the coming of the Son of Man, the Messiah, will be just like the days of Noah. Okay, so he's giving us, Jesus is giving us another sign of what the world's going to look like before he comes back. So he says in verse 30, he elaborates on that in verse 38, keeps it in context, for as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. Now what that means is having sex before marriage until the very day when Noah entered the ark and they did not know or understand until the flood came and swept them all away. So will the coming of the Son of Man be of unexpected judgment. And... I think that's happening today. The world just does not know that God's coming back to judge. They have no idea. And you might be like, well, how is that fair? I don't get that. And I think, I don't think God's asking us to see if it's fair or not. I just, I, I think God is just, he's all knowing and he just knows what's best. And I, I, we have to learn how to be content in that blow. We have to learn how to trust God in that. Now, when I got my on-hand Amplified Bible uh, back in March of this year, I was so excited to check it out in that version. But once I read these next few verses, 40 through 41 in Matthew 24, I was uh, truly shown what it meant by someone being taken away and the other being left behind. We've heard that, right? Oh, you don't want to be left behind. You don't want, no, uh, you don't, no. 
just put on your seatbelt because I, the Lord like had to correct my thinking as well. So I, I, mean, I, I was wrong as well. Now here we go. Jesus is elaborating. Keep this in context with 39. He's just hit my microphone. Sorry. Uh, they did not know or understand the flood. I'm um, sorry. They did not. They did not know or understand until the flood came and swept them all away. So will the coming of the Son of Man be in unexpected judgment. They're not going to expect it. So verse 40. At that time, meaning judgment. That's what it means by, by at that time. Two men will be two men will be in the field. One will be taken for judgment, and one will be left. Verse 41, two women will be, now will be is italicized there. They're going to be grinding at the mill. One will be taken for judgment, and one will be left. I'm just sitting back here in my wheelchair just thinking about this. Oh my gosh. I, for, for beloved, for so long, I thought it was us who's being taken away. But that's not what it says here. Think about that. Now, that's not me shaming people who think that way because that's what's been taught. But now that we know, let's walk in Helios. Let's walk in that perfectness. Now, there's a footnote for verse 40 um, where it says, we're talking about two men in the field, one will be taken away, one will be taken in judgment. Uh, this is not the removal of the church described in 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18 and Revelation 3, 10. The one taken is taken for judgment just as the wicked were taken by the flood in Noah's day. The one left uh, is left to enter the kingdom that Christ will establish. Makes a lot of sense. I love that. Now, okay, verse 42. The title of this is uh, Be Ready for His Coming. So verse 42, so be alert. Give strict attention, be cautious and active in faith, for you do not know which day, whether it is near or far, your Lord is coming. But understand this, in the head of the, if the head of the house had known what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have been on the alert and would not have allowed his house to be broken into. Now we're going to get into what Jesus means by all this, so don't worry. Verse 44, therefore you who follow me must also be ready because the son of man is coming at an hour when you do not expect him. Verse 45, who then is the faithful and wise servant? That's important. Remember that. Remember that part. Who is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has put in charge of his household to give to the others in the house their food and supplies at the proper time? Who's, who's going to be that guy? Who's going to do it? That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, among you who follow me. So not just the people who are following him now, but people in the, in the next generation, and the next, and the next, and the next. He's talking to people like us. We can see in like John 17, Jesus' prophetic prayer. He's like, I'm not just praying for the people that are with me now. He's saying, I'm praying for the people who are going to believe. Uh, I'm, I'm praying for the people who are going to believe in me by the message that they, meaning his disciples at the time, are going to teach. 
I don't know what verse that is, but it's somewhere in John 17. Anyway, verse 46. Blessed is that faithful servant when his master returns and finds him doing so. Now, you want to underline doing so. If you're reading in your Bible or whatever, you un- underline that part. Because it's like, what, what, what is it that, that is doing so? And I think it's back to, in context. Verse 45. Food and supplies. I think that is a abbreviation to be used of putting the right things into practice to be ready for the second coming of Christ. I think that's what that means. Verse 47. I assure you and most solemnly say to you that he will put him in charge of all his possessions. Now, verse 48. This is key. But if his, but if that servant is evil and says in his heart, Oh, my master's taking his time. He will not return for a long while. Verse 49, and begins to beat his fellow servants and not eat and drink and starts to eat and drink with drunkards, the master of the servant will come on a day when he does not expect him at an hour of which he is not aware. It's so simple. Like this is this is this is so good. Verse 51, he, he Jesus talks about the result of this unrighteous man. He says he will cut him in two and put him with the hypocrites. In that place, there will be weeping over sorrow and pain and grinding of teeth over distress and anger. I'm just rubbing my eyes for a second. And I have a new song that's playing here now in the background. So let's change that. Let's do let's go with this one I really like this one I've played this one before this is called uh, Set Us on Fire by uh, Walder Worship okay so let's look at this deeply let's look at verses 45 through 51 which we just read I have felt a deep responsibility to do rightly over people in my life, to like show them the way to go. I cannot say to people, oh yeah, God is taking his time. He won't be back for a while. Now, which is basically what Jesus just said here. If I do that, I will do what Revelation says not to do, to be found, to to be not found spiritually naked which in the Greek there, it means to be unprepared for his second coming. That's what that means. This is why it is so important and vital, beloved, to not just know that Christ saved us from the sting of death and hell, but that we are called to act in a manner that is now worthy of the gospel. What does that look like? It looks like being faithful with the gifts and the blessings we have been given by the Holy Spirit to equip the body of Christ with, to bear fruit in every good work, and by his glorious might be known to his will. We must be known to his will for our lives as we then expect the glory and excitement for the new Jerusalem God is bringing to his people. So I want to elaborate on this. I just want to, I want to go off note here. Let's look at verse 46. Blessed is that faithful servant when his master returns and finds him doing so. Beloved, I feel like 
I'm doing, I'm the guy in 46. And I'm not saying that proudly or, or, or self-righteously, but I'm here. I want you prepared. I don't want to be the man that, 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 that says right here, says evil in his heart. Oh, my master's taking his time. Now, you might think about 2 Peter 3, where, where Peter says that, that God is actually holding back his return so that all may repent. I'm not saying that's wrong, but I'm also... I'm also looking at this and going, we still have to be prepared. I think it's like, because it, it, it comes down to, um, even if you are prepared and you do that for so long and you die and Christ still didn't return, you still did the right thing. So I think that might shine some light, some clarity on that. I hope that makes sense. Because he's saying, you don't know when it's going to happen. So be ready. Now, that, and I think that shine, it makes more sense that God maybe, may, God maybe is holding back his return. But that doesn't mean that, that it's going to be, he's holding his return. It, it, that doesn't mean that, that verse 48, that he's taking his time. Because God could just, I mean, God could come back right now if he wanted to. He totally could. If he wanted to. Honestly, so I hope that makes sense. I want to be here. I want you to be prepared. That's what Jesus tells me to do. When I, when, when I stand, me, when, when I, Josiah Mobius, when I stand in front of Jesus one day, I want to be found faithful. I want him to say, you, it's the, it's the verse that um, says, um, as much as you did it for them, you did it for me. It's somewhere in Matthew I think it's I think it's Matthew 25 actually. And he's talking about using your gifts and your talents to equip the body of Christ. This is this is one of my talents to, to preach. This is what God told me to start doing a year ago. He said, Josiah, start a podcast. I've given you a teaching gift. You don't need people's approval. Go out and start it. And I've had people tell me, you know, you don't have a seminary degree, you can't preach, and I mean I'm having like a Paul 2.0 moment. In Corinthians, they're like, you know, we want to see your documentation that you can preach. He's like, I don't need to. I don't, I don't need to, like, I don't need your approval. I mean, that's what we went through Galatians, where he says, if, if, I, if I'm here to please man, which right there in the Greek does mean to convince someone. I'm not here to do that. I'm here to be faithful with what God's given me, and I love you guys so much. It's so important to be prepared, and I really, wow, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Okay. Let's see where I left off here. Now, verse 45, the faithful and wise servant. I believe Jesus is talking about people who are preparing the body of Christ for a second coming. I know I just elaborated on that, but I'm just reading from my notes at this point, okay? Now, it is important to remember this, beloved. Jesus never tells us to know when he will come. Matter of fact, he says no one really knows. Knowing and believing... No, sorry, knowing and being prepared is different. How do we stay prepared? I think it's we faithfully, we, we, we stay faithful with the stewards that he has called us to do to equip the body of Christ. That's it. It's, it's, that, Revel, it's that Galatians 5, let the Holy Spirit lead you. Walk in the Spirit. Which again, a lot of people will be like, like, oh, it's step one, uh, step two, do this, how to follow the spirit. But 
No, it's 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 not that. It's because the Holy Spirit's direction in people's lives are different. There's a verse in Proverbs that says the 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 way the man walks, that God directs his steps. Who can understand it? So, let's follow the Holy Spirit. Let's hit. Let Him lead us. That you don't need man's approval. You can do this. I believe in you. You can be led by the Holy Spirit. I want you to leave. I love what Joyce Meyer said recently on one of her episodes. She said, I want you to leave today saying, I can be led by the Holy Spirit. I can. Because his leadership, I love this is what Mike Bickle says, his leadership is perfect. It is absolutely marvelous. It is, it's not dipsuhas. It's not double-minded. Dipsuhas is the Greek word for double-minded. I'm sorry. Now, in Revelation 1-3, we're going to get into this. It says, Blessed, happy, prosperous. I'm reading from the Amplified. To be admired is he who... Now, underline these words if you're reading in your Bible. Is he who reads... Underline that word reads. And those who hear... Underline that word hear the words of the prophecy... And who keep the things which are written in it, which means heeding them and taking them to heart. For the time of fulfillment is near. Now, beloved, we can see John says we are blessed if we, number one, read, okay? Number two, hear. And number three, take it to our heart, the words of these prophecies, this is going to be a big weight off your shoulder. I, I I watched a pastor a long time ago, and I got I got this point I'm reading right now by him, and it really lifted a weight off my shoulders. John does not say to understand or interpret. So let's get rooted in this. Let's pray that we're not deceived. Let's trust in the Holy Spirit's leadership over our lives. Let's trust in God's word about the coming future. Why? Because Paul says clearly, 2 Timothy 3.16, all of scripture is God-breathed. It's led by him. It's not according to man. And that's what we continue to read when we went through Galatians, where Paul says, "My, this gospel is not according to man. It's from Christ himself. He says, Blessed, which means you are happy, you are prosperous, and you are to be admired for those who read and hear the words of the prophecy. All I gotta do is read it and hear it and take it to my heart and know that the time of fulfillment is near and I'll be blessed. Are you kidding me? I'll take it. I will. So, I, hope, I really hope that invigorates you. I really hope that helps you. We're going to look at 2 Thessalonians 2 now out of the Amplified Version. And um, you know what? I'm actually going to... I was wearing my I was wearing my sweater and it got... It's too hot in my room now, so I had to take it off. I'm trying to hang it up on my... I was trying to hang it up on my chair that I'm sitting on. Okay. So before I get into 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 here, I did a message on this earlier on my podcast uh, that I really would encourage you to listen at, beloved. It's very important. Um, I went to a concert with my dad uh, to go see a lady named Sarah Brightman. We had a great time. 
We went down to um, Tennessee. It was absolutely wonderful. Um, oh, crap. Okay. Um, I'm going to try and find it right now, real quick, so you know. Because, okay, so. Letting my people pleasing kick in. I'm just going to try and find it real quick. Is it right here? Hang on. Just hang in here with me. I'm sorry. I'm trying to find. I'm trying to find the episode. Here it is. Okay, season twelve, episode three. Okay, this is about the uh, Second Thessalonians two. We did a deep study on this. I, I do believe we dove into a little bit of Greek. Uh, where it talks about uh, Jesus's return and the Antichrist. It's season twelve, episode three. Please go listen to it because it's really going to help you. It's I I dove into Second Thessalonians two um, a little bit deeper than what we're going to get into now because they're two different contexts. Okay, from what I what I read then and what I'm reading now out of Second Thessalonians two. So I hope that makes sense. Season twelve. Episode 3, go ahead, check it out, send it to a friend. The title of um, 2 Thessalonians 2, and it's it's all one context, beloved, it's all one message, it's all one title, okay? It is the man of lawlessness. This is Paul writing, and he says, Now in regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and the gathering and and." and are gathering together to meet him, meet there as italicized, we ask you, brothers and sisters, not to be quickly unsettled or alarmed either by a so-called prophetic revelation or a spirit or a message or a letter alleged to be from us to the elect that the day of the Lord has already come. Now, I'm just going to stop right there, beloved. What did Jesus just talk about in Matthew 24? What did we just read? And I'm not saying this out of anger, like, oh, I, like, I, like, I'm not saying this out of, like, anger, like, I, like, like, you don't understand, but I just have such a passion for this. Jesus said, people will, what, what, what Paul's saying here about, like, ignore, Jesus said the same thing in Matthew 24, he says, don't let people deceive you. Paul's saying the same thing. So, Verse 3, Paul says the same thing Jesus says. He says, Let no one in any way deceive or entrap you, for that for that day will not come unless the apostasy comes first. That is the great rebellion, the abandonment by the faith by repressed Christians. That's what Jesus said. He said people are going to hand people over. It all ties together. I hope you see what's connecting here. And the man of lawlessness is revealed. Because that has to happen. He goes, the, the other thing, the son of destruction, the Antichrist, the one who is destined to be destroyed, who opposes and exalts himself so proudly and so um, insolently above every so-called God or object of worship, so that he actually enters and takes his seat in the temple of God, publicly proclaiming that he himself is God. Now, I'm going to my notes now, going back on verses 2 through 3. 
Paul explains exactly what Jesus says in Matthew 24. Paul says, don't be unsettled or alarmed by a spirit or a message about the second coming of Christ. Jesus said, don't let people tell you about that. It's the same thing. He says, don't let people deceive you or entrap you. Jesus said the same thing. Verse 1, where it says the gathering, it's talking about the rapture among believers in Christ. Now, another footnote for verse 3, where it says the apostasy, Paul is referring to a specific future event. Okay? Now, there's a footnote for verse 4, where it says above every. Okay, those two words, above every, it can mean or everyone who is called God. Okay? To continue, 2 Thessalonians 2 out of verse 5 to continue in verse 5 do you not remember that when i was still with you i was telling you these things and you know what remains what restrains him now from being revealed it is so that he will be revealed at his own appointed time he's talking about the antichrist for the mystery of lawlessness rebellion against divine authority and the coming reign of lawlessness is already at work so, and I think we read this earlier on in 1 John 4 where he says, he talks about the, the spirit of the Antichrist is already at work. So Paul says the same thing here. And it makes sense. We can go to that. It's a verse in Acts earlier on in Acts. It says all the apostles were one mind. Paul was an apostle. John was an apostle. So, so he's saying, I'm, I'm going to go back here. For the mystery of lawlessness rebellion against divine authority and the coming reign of lawlessness is already at work but it is restrained until only he who now restrains is taken out of the way then the lawless one the antichrist will be revealed and the lord jesus will slay him with the breath of his mouth and bring him to the end by the appearance of his coming this is beautiful, beloved. This is God's justice finally being poured forth in the midst of sin just getting so bad, like to the point where it could not get worse. The coming of the, verse 9, the coming of the Antichrist, the lawless one, is through the activity of Satan. Now, this, these, this, this next, this next, um, Verses 9 and verse 9, the rest of verse 9 can elaborate on Project Bluebeam. It says that, uh, it says, I'm just gonna, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read verse 9 all over again. And you can see verse 9 is being shown through Project Bluebeam. The coming of the Antichrist, the lawless one, is through the activity of Satan, attended with great power all kinds of counterfeit miracles and deceptive signs and false wonders. All of them are lies. And by unlimited seduction to evil and with all the deception of wickedness for those who are perishing because they did not welcome the love of the truth of the gospel so as to be saved. They were spiritually blind and rejected the truth that would have that would have saved them now paul says in verse 11 the result of all this because of this god will send upon them a misleading influence 
and activity of error and deception, so they will believe a lie. In order that they all may be judged and condemned who did not believe the truth about their sin and a need for salvation through Christ, but instead took pleasure in their unrighteousness. Now, <clears throat> you may look at verse 11 and 12 and think, how in the world is that fair? And I get that, but beloved, God, what God does is, is just. We have got to believe that. He, he is a all-knowing being. There's no beginning. There's no end to him. He was never created. He can never be killed, even though... You say, you know, what about Jesus? But I'm talking about God, the Spirit himself. In 2 Timothy, it says, I think it's 1st or 2 Timothy, it says that God um, sits. Um, he, where he sits, it is unapproachable light. You can't, it's, just think about that. Where he sits, it is the light is is unapproachable. It is so magnificent and glorious, and we will all stand before it one day. Me too. I will too. You and me both. So let's let's really try and humble ourselves and agree with what God's going to do in verses eleven through twelve. When that comes into play, it is just. It is. We have to trust God's leadership in that. When we say that what God does sometimes is just, we have a pride issue that we need to look at. We put ourselves in the place of God. It's, it's, almost, it's almost a hint of idolatry. So verse 13, but we, sh- but we should and are morally obligated as debtors always to give thanks to God for you. Believers beloved by the Lord, because God has chosen you from the beginning of salvation through the sanctifying work of the Spirit that sets you apart for God's purpose, and by your faith in the truth of God's word that leads you into spiritual maturity. Now there's a footnote for verse 13 where it says sanctifying, it means there are two kinds of sanctification. Number one, Positional sanctification means set apart for God and in some instances set apart for God's purpose. And second, uh, practical sanctification is a progressive process and means growing in righteous living. This is dependent on a man's reliance on the Holy Spirit. Let's continue. Verse 14 for 2 Thessalonians 2. It was, I'm continuing in the Amplified Version as well. It was to this end that he called you through our gospel, the good news of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, so that you may abstain and share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold tightly to the, tr- to the traditions which you were taught, whether by word of mouth, um, of mouth there is italicized, or by letter from us. 
Now may the Lord Jesus himself and God our Father, who has loved us and given us everlasting comfort and encouragement and the good, well-founded hope of salvation by his grace, comfort and encourage and strengthen your hearts, keeping them steadfast and on, cor- and, and on course in every good work and word. I, I love Paul's prayers. I, this is the message that's been on my heart for a while now, is doing a message about looking at Paul's prayers and that he never, ever, ever prays, God, get them out of the situation. Release them from their troubles. No. He says, he says, may God comfort you. May he encourage you. May he strengthen you. May he give you everlasting comfort and encouragement and give you hope for your salvation. That even though you have trials here in this world, there is a there is a home coming for you, the new Jerusalem. Now let's look at this last chapter of scripture for what we hope can hold on to in the midst of what might come to pass in our generation. This is uh, I, I didn't write it down, but I know it. It's Revelation 19. Okay, and I'm gonna start in verse 19. After these, after these things, I heard something like a great and mighty shout of a vast multitude in heaven, exclaiming, Hallelujah, salvation and glory, splendor, majesty, and power, dominion, might belong to our God, because his judgments are true and righteous. He has judged, convicted, and pronounced sentence on the great uh, prostitute, the idolatress, who was corrupting and ruining and poisoning the earth with her adultery, which is idolatry. I'm reading out of the Amplified. And he has, and he, meaning God, has imposed the penalty for the blood of his bondservants on her. Now, what do we know about um, God's vengeance that he that he says vengeance is mine and we can see that here playing out for God's people at the end of uh, verse 2 now there's three footnote, foot, footnotes for verse, verses 1 through 2 uh, at the beginning of verse 1 where it says these things it's talking about the destruction of Babylon and then the second one where it says exclaiming uh, it translates into the three woes ending uh, in chapter 18 uh, are now uh, followed by three heavenly praises. Um, I don't know why I don't have the third footnote. Let's look it up real quick. reading out of Revelation 19? Oh! Okay, I made a mistake. I am so sorry. Okay, we actually started Revelation 19 on verse 1, not verse 19. I'm so sorry. Take that back. Please forgive me. Um, oh, here it is. Okay, so the, the last footnote where it says, uh, and God has imposed the penalty for the blood of his servants on her. Now, where it says on her, it can literally mean from 
her hand. Wow. Jeez, man. That's unbelievable. Okay. So verse 3. And a second time they said, Hallelujah, her smoke shall ascend forever and ever. And the twenty-four elders and the four living creatures also fell down and worshipped God who sits on the throne, saying, Amen, Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Then from the throne there came a voice, saying, Praise our God, all you bondservants of his, you who fear him, the small, which means common, and the great, which means distinguished. Verse 6 is the marriage of the Lamb. That's the new title for this. It says, Then I heard something like uh, the shout of a vast multitude, and like the boom of many pounding waves, and like the roar of mighty peals of thunder, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the, the Almighty, the Omnipotent, the Ruler of all, He reigns. Let us rejoice and shout for joy. Let us give him glory and honor for the marriage of the lamb has come at last and his bride, the redeemed, has prepared herself. She has permitted to dress in fine linen, dazzling white and clean for the fine linen uh, signifies the righteous acts of the saints, the the ethical conduct, personal integrity, moral courage and godly character of believers oh my gosh so beautiful and we look at verse 8 this backs up the importance of being prepared for his second coming by having good works a lot of people will think that's legalistic but it's it's not legalism is man-made tradition that you will never be able to mount up to Now, verse 9 is the fourth of the seven promised blessings. You can see Revelation 1-3 for that. Verse 9, continuing Revelation 19, Then the angel said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Now, the footnote for verse 9, where it says, uh, Blessed, uh, this is the first of the seven visions of the final triumph of heaven over angelic and human rebellion in chapters 19 uh, and chapter 20. Uh, the verses for chapter 19 are verses nine, uh, verses 6 through 10. In case you're writing this down, I'll go slowly. 19, 6 through 10. 19, 11 through 16. 19, 17 through 21. And then chapter 20, verses 1 through 3. Chapter 20, verses 4 through 6. Chapter 20, verses 7 and 10. And last but not least, uh, Revelation 20, 11 through 15. Uh, that is the... I'm just reading reading a footnote from my Bible, honestly. So here we go. To continue verse 9, this is the angel continuing to talk to John. And he said to me further, these are the true and exact words of God. Look at that. So let's, 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 okay. What are the the two key words here in verse 9? He says, these are the true and exact words of God. Look at that. 
there's two things that the angel signifies. Then I so so this that that's John says in verse ten. He says, "I fell down at his feet to worship him, but he stopped me and said to me, 'You must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers and sisters who have who have and hold the testimony of Jesus. Worship God alone, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Prophecy, his life and teaching are the heart of prophecy." Uh, the new title for uh, starting in verse 11 back in Revelation 19 is the coming of Christ the conqueror and I saw heaven open and behold a white horse and he who is riding riding is called faithful and true trustworthy loyal incorruptible and steady and uh, in righteousness he judges and wages war on the rebellious nations his eyes are flames of fire and his head and and on his head are many royal crowns and he has a name inscribed on him which no one knows or understands except himself he has dressed in a robe dipped in blood and his name is called the word of god now the footnote for verse 13 Um, where it says uh, he is dressed in the robe, he is dressed in a robe dip, dipped in blood. That right there for blood. And the footnote is Christ was once dipped in his own blood for man's redemption. Um, you can see that in Revelation 1:5 and Revelation 5:9 and etc. But now in the blood of the wicked for mankind's judgment. Verse 14 and the armies of heaven dressed. In fine linen, dazzling, white and clean, followed him on the white horses. From his mouth came a sharp sword, his word, and which he may strike down with the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron, and he will treat he will tread the winepress of the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty, in judgment of the rebellious world. Now, verse 15, where it says rule, it can translate into shepherd, which is really interesting. Verse 16, uh, and on his robe and on his thigh, he has a name inscribed, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Ooh, okay, verse 17, I'm just, I'm reading this revelation to, to, to think this is, this is the hope we are believing for, beloved. I'm going to try and finish this up here. Yeah, okay, I'm going to be able to finish this. We're almost done here. The new title is Doom of the Beast and the False Prophet. Verse 17, then, this is John continuing to see what's going on here. Then I saw a single angel standing in the sun, and with a loud voice he shouted to all the birds that fly in mid-heaven, saying, Come, gather together for for the great supper of God so that you may feast on the flesh of the kings the flesh of commanders the flesh of powerful and mighty men the flesh of horses and those who sit on them and the flesh of all humanity both free man and slaves both small and great in a complete conquest of evil then I saw the beast and the kings and political leaders of the earth with their armies gathered to make war against him meaning Jesus who is mounted on the white horse and against his army and the beast the antichrist was seized and overpowered and with him the false prophet in his presence had performed amazing signs by which 
he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image, those who were hurled alive into the lake of fire which blazes with brimstone. And the rest and the rest were killed with the sword which came from the mouth of him who sat on the horse. And all the birds fed ravenously and gorged themselves with their flesh. Oh, so the reason, beloved, I read that is to... Let's break all this down now because I still have to share the gospel at the end of this message. I can only record this for a whole hour. So... We read about Project Bluebeam, this thing that's being made that's going to be that's going to bring false counterfeits. It's going to bring a counterfeit of a second coming of Christ, and we cannot be deceived. When the Antichrist comes, the false prophet's going to be with him, and he's going to say, "This is him. This is this is this is the Messiah. This is God." People are going to be deceived, and they'll take the mark of the beast, and they will suffer for it. And so. We can look at Revelation 19 and hope in being the people who endure and find hope in knowing that we're going to be with God forever. Think about that. Just just sit there and think about that for a second. We're going to be with God forever. It's never going to end. Never. Don't you think a little bit of suffering is going to be worth that? A little bit? It so is. Now, my favorite verses in all this, and if, uh, from Matthew 24, I would say verse 25, where Jesus says, I have told you these things. Do not be deceived. Uh, for uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, I would say verses 3 and 8, uh, which read... Let me find it real quick. Oh, here it is. Uh, where he says, Do not be quickly unsettled or alarmed, either by a so-called prophetic revelation or a spirit or a message or a letter alleged to be from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has already come. Let no one in any way deceive you or entrap you, for that day, for that day will not come unless the apostasy comes first, that is, the great rebellion, the abandonment of the faith by professed Christians." And the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, the Antichrist, the one who is destined to be destroyed. Those are my favorite verses in 2 Thessalonians 2. And then Revelation 19, my favorite verses are probably verses 6 through 10. Let me find that real quick. Here it is. Then I heard something like, a, like, a, like the shout of a vast multitude and like the broom of many, uh, or sorry, like the boom of many pounding waves and like the roar of mighty peals of thunder saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, the Omnipotent, the ruler of all, he reigns. Let us rejoice and shout for joy. Let us give him glory and honor for the marriage of the Lamb has come at last and the, his bride, his redeemed, has prepared herself. She has been permitted to dress in fine linen, dazzling white and clean, for the fine linen signifies the righteous acts of the saints, the ethical, ethical conduct, personal integrity, moral courage, and godly character of believers. He says, Blessed are those who are invited into the marriage supper of the Lamb. It's beautiful. Those are my favorite verses. Um, 
And then what did I learn, me personally, uh, that we don't have to understand or figure out all of the book of Revelation? It says that you are blessed for those who uh, know the book of the prophecies and take it to heart. We just have to be prepared. Now, that doesn't mean that we will always be perfect in it, but if we yield to the Holy Spirit's leadership, we will grow in maturity, uh, completeness, and perfectness. We will be that bride that Revelation declares to be ready. Now, what can we take with us from this? Let's keep our eyes open. Let's be prepared. Having the right attitude in all our days here on earth, having an attitude worthy of the gospel, Let's keep being humble and childlike in the Holy Spirit's leadership. Let's keep being prepared like the five wise virgins that Jesus talks about in Matthew 25. Let's be excited for the second coming of Christ, awaiting the new Jerusalem that God is preparing for his saints, for his beloved. Well, amen and amen. Oh my gosh. I can't believe I got that out in two episodes. I love that. And so, beloved, I just, I, 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 I can repeat myself over and over. Do not be deceived. Be led by the Holy Spirit. I believe in you. You can do that. You can be ready. You can enjoy one-on-one fellowship with the Holy Spirit and be, and, and, and be that prepared bride whether, whether he's coming back or not, wouldn't you be glad to be faithful anyway? If you do die and he still doesn't come back, think about the eternal rewards. All right, now I want to uh, share the gospel real quick for those of you that don't know it. Or those of you that have had a rough day and you feel sin is heavy over your heart and you just need remindance. You, you need... Uh, you need recollection of the gospel. So there was a law given to God's people, the Israelites, which were written on tablets of stone. God gave that through Moses after God led his people, the Israelites, out of the bondage and slavery of Egypt through King Pharaoh. After that, generation after generation, God's people, the Israelites, could not do what God demanded and commanded them to do. They would not keep their covenant. There were many kings who led over God's people. Many of those were righteous in the eyes of the Lord, but many were evil. Excuse me. There then came prophets sent by God who would give God's people and 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 the kings a message of many kinds. Through Isaiah's words, and we can read in chapter 53, there was a prophecy about a coming Messiah someone from the lineage and the root of David that would save everyone from their sins, the Lamb of God, and then to be, at that point, in right standing with God through him. After all that turmoil that the law brought, it brought forth death. Jesus came and started to proclaim the gospel, and it was to repent and believe in the gospel, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus also said, Do not think... That I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish, but to fulfill them. 
Paul was a chosen man by God to proclaim the good news of the gospel. It says in Romans that we have all fallen short of the glory of God. We are not morally good people, but rather, you and me both, beloved, we are dead in our sins. But Christ came to redeem us from the curse of the law, the sting of death, and to make us in right standing with God. Jesus lived the life we couldn't live. How? He was tempted by by each sin, every sin, but he knew no sin so that we could become the righteousness of God through Christ. We are all sheep who have gone our own way. Me too. But God has caused the wickedness of us all to fall on him. Meaning Jesus. So in essence, the bad news is we couldn't do what God asked us. We kept falling short generation after generation. But the good news is Jesus finished it. And those who repent, which means to change one's mind and live according to the will that God has for your life, you are saved. If you then also trust in the sacrifice that that Jesus made for your sins, if you believe in that and you turn away from your sins and you walk into what God has for you, which is so glorious. And yes, there will be people that may look down on you, but God is smiling over you and he still loves you. His love never changes. The Bible says that God is love. He is the essence of it. That'll never change. But Jesus also says that when one sinner repents, all of heaven rejoices. And think about it. In Revelations, John says that uh, when he saw the angels, there were too many to count. So think about all those angels, which are too many to count, are rejoicing when you repent. This is the truth. This is why you were created. You're not, if you're, if you're new to my podcast and you're just listening to this, you are not an accident. If there were lies that were spoken to you by people in school or your mother or your father or your grandmother or your, or your, or your grandpa, or your aunt, uncle, cousin, I break it. In Jesus' name, you are loved and you have a purpose. You do. That is the truth. Now, here are some scriptures that you can look on your own time that can emphasize on what Jesus did on our behalf. You can look at Galatians chapter 3, verses 10 through 14. You can look at 2 Corinthians 5, 21. And you can look at Isaiah, all of chapter 53. John, all of chapter 3, and Ephesians, all of chapter 2. Let's close in prayer, everyone. Father, I pray that... Oh, man. Out of all the words that were spoken, Lord... Lord, I pray Oh Lord, you would just direct this person's steps That is my cry, Lord They would yield to your guidance They would find deep intimacy with you, Holy Spirit Father, I just pray 
for those who are new to this and may not follow Christ, Lord, I pray that you'd bring them to repentance and salvation and their lives would be turned around and they would follow your will for the life. I pray for the person who's been following you for a long time. I pray that you continue to sanctify him and that he or she would be prepared for your second coming, Lord. That they would be ready. They would love you fervently and find true joy in that, Lord. I pray for a hunger in your word to grow. I pray that they would love people. They would be slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to anger and offense. We would be unstained by this world. In the midst of us fearing you, help us to hold our tongues. I just pray that this listener would just go forth and just go deeper in you, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Okay, now uh, next week, I think I'm going to be talking about, let's look at my notes here. Um, I think I'm going to do a message, this has been on my heart, and I'm trying to see if, if someone wants to come on with me and do this podcast with me about walking in the beatitudes that jesus talks about in matthew 5 verses 1 through 12 and how we can walk in that how we can find beauty in walking in the beatitudes um, because jesus says those of you that do these things and put into practice you will be like a man who builds a house that's strong that will not be torn down i think that's what he says and one of those things is what's said in matthew 5 and you can you can the other things are found earlier on in Matthew 5, um, Matthew 6, and then Matthew 7, I think he makes that claim of those who put these things into practice, yada, yada, yada. So I'm preparing a message on that. I do have 1 Peter 2 and 1 Peter 1 and 1 Peter 2 prepared for the future. Um, I've, I've been um, looking at that with uh, heavier measure. I've been coming back and forth to it and working on it here and there. I worked on 1 Peter 2 today. I worked on 1 Peter 1 the other day. So I'm doing a lot of work on this, and I'm just—I'd love to do it. This is this is what God's coming to do, and I've been feeling a deeper tug to like go deeper and elaborate on things more. So, thank you so much for listening to this part two about understanding Project Bluebeam, Matthew 24, Second Thessalonians 2, and Revelation 19. This is your friend Josiah. God bless you. <laughs>